In the name of Jesus, amen. Give us this day our daily bread. When we think of daily bread, we usually think of all the things listed in the small catechism, as we should. Food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, cattle, money, goods, and the like. But there is something in this list that is there implicitly, the gift of God which lurks in the background of the fourth petition is reason. Reason is the ability to think and to make judgments. We humans are not driven by instinct like the bees in their hive or the birds in their migrations. We are better than the brutish dogs who gobble up every bite of food in their bowl because they do not think for the future, but only live in the here and now. We think and make choices as producers and as consumers. Farmers choose what crops to plant in the field. We choose to save or to spend money. Our reason is the reason for our nation's great wealth. We do not live hand to mouth like the instinct-driven animals. On the contrary, reason is the regulative principle of our daily bread. Tonight we are going to focus on the two of God's great gifts to us, reason and daily bread. First, we will meditate on reason as a divine gift. Second, we will discover the limits of reason. Finally, we will discuss the subjection of reason to God's word. Reason is a gift of God. When we Lutherans rail against reason, we are railing against the wrong use of reason. We reject reason where it does not belong. But as the old saying goes, abusus non tolet usum, the abuse of something does not destroy the use of it. Or in other words, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. We Lutherans are not irrational although we might be accused of such nonsense. No, we believe that God's truth is not opposed to our reason. It's actually higher than our reason. Now, Luther did have some very disparaging things to say about the misuse of human reason. But Luther also said, in one of his great disputations, that reason is the most important and highest in rank among all things, and in comparison with other things of his life, the best and something divine. Reason invents and regulates agriculture, science, medicine, laws, and the like. We see that man, from the beginning, was to use his reason. That is, he was supposed to have dominion over the animals. Man, with his gift of reason, was to be a son around which everything else revolved, a regulative principle to which all things bent, and this was even before the fall into sin. Reason is perhaps the greatest and the most majestic earthly gift that God gives. We see how reason was a great gift of God in the history of Joseph. God endowed the patriarch with great wisdom. Pharaoh exclaims in our text today, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. 
Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. Reason moved Joseph from thraldom to the throne. He moved, because of reason, from a terrible humiliation to the highest position in the kingdom. Reason not only freed Joseph and granted him great political power, but reason also saved many lives. Joseph's wise plan to save 20% of the harvest for the famine saved not only the great empire of Egypt, but it also saved the family from whom the Messiah was to come. By denying instant gratification and by saving for a rainy day, Joseph satiated his adopted people while many, many others suffered starvation. God did reveal the dream by supernatural means to Joseph, but it was Joseph's wise judgment which made a definite and sure plan to ration grain. Both the supernatural ability to interpret dreams and reason were the gifts that God gave to Joseph. The application here is obvious. Reason regulates daily bread for our good and for the good of others. A regulated, reasonable life of administration and commerce does not fight against Christianity. Joseph was a Christian. He believed. And at the same time, he ran successfully a domestic economy under Potiphar. He organized a penal system in the prison. And then, eventually, he even directed a kingdom. Gordon Ramsay and others like him have their good points. It's good to be, to be prudent and provident. It is a good thing to prepare for the lean times, like famine or a job loss. A half a year's salary in an emergency fund is a good thing to have. Preparation and planning for the future is a good and a godly endeavor, as the example of Joseph shows. Another application is that reason is such a gift that it even transcends social and ethnic hierarchies. We see Joseph, a slave, who rises because of reason to be a little less than Pharaoh himself. Now some may argue that it was his prophetic gift of interpreting dreams that brought him to this position. But if that were so, Pharaoh would have made Joseph a priest. He didn't. He made him a prince. Reason, the ability to think and make proper judgments, is what makes social mobility possible and desirable. Because not all men are created equal. Men are not equal in their ability, in their strength, or in their reason. There is a natural aristocracy, and all who belong to this class possess reason. The patriarch Jacob recognized this. Why else do you think Joseph, who was only 17 at the time, was sent to see what his brothers were doing? I mean, he was old enough. Why wasn't he tending the sheep with his brothers? Because he was learning administration from his father. His father saw that Joseph was no grunt worker, but that he possessed great talents of the mind. And like recognizes like, for Joseph was a man of the tents in his youth, while Esau was a great and mighty hunter. 
And even the godless recognize reason. Why else would Potiphar put Joseph over his house? Why else would the jailer put Joseph in charge of the prison? Why else would Daniel and his three friends be placed in high councils in the king of Babylon's presence? So I guess the question is, is is it good to seek promotion? Ought we to be squeaky wheels, or is that selfish? Well, let's look at Joseph. Joseph did not put himself forward for these positions. He let his reason be his resume. Now, history cannot be used to make dogmatic statements, at least absolutely. So let us go to St. Paul for clarification on this. What does St. Paul say? Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. The Bible teaches us to be content with our lot, knowing that Christ our Lord will exalt us when and how he sees fit. But does that mean then that we should sit silently and maintain the status quo? Can we seek promotion for the sake of our families? Well, Joseph did. Joseph used his reason to get a good deal for his father and for his brothers, both economically and religiously. And I'm talking here about the land of Goshen, where the family of Israel dwelt. It is good to use reason to maintain and to extend one's daily bread when it is done for the sake of one's family and for the sake of one's subjects. Reason is a good gift of God. We would be unreasonable to deny it. But we must also assert that reason has its limits. Joseph's plan is, at this particular time, a good plan. He saved the people of Egypt. They received their daily bread through the wise ministrations of Joseph. They are happy to spend all of their money, to sell all of their cattle, and even to put themselves into slavery so that they might live. They are fine leaving their ancestral homes and be gathered around the cities of Egypt so that they might receive their dole of daily bread. At this time... The reasonable plan of Joseph works. And yet, look to the future. What is good for the goose is not always good for the gander. Think about it. The laws set down by reason were good to provide daily bread during Joseph's time. But think of how that law was used to support the slavery of an entire people. Centralization around the cities of jo- during Joseph's time was a good thing, so that they might be fed. But centralization also leads to greater control and coercion by the government. A 20% tax might seem like a good thing, but as we all know, if you can tax something, that means that you can also destroy it. The people might be happy to sell themselves into slavery to Joseph's pharaoh. But what happens when there is a time when a pharaoh arises who does not know Joseph? Reason, which led to the gracious dependence of the people on pharaoh, also leads to the despotism of the exodus pharaoh. 
So what is the application here? Well, man has to know his limitations. Reasonableness and daily bread is a good thing. Invention is a good thing. But we can never predict where the decisions we make today will lead in the future. Take, for example, the invention of the clock. The clock was originally invented for monasteries so that they could more accurately dedicate their lives to God and to pray and to prayer. But what did that clock lead to? When we say that we are on the clock, we are not talking about religion. We're talking about work. A godly invention has thus been used to define our lives by hourly wages, by mammon. The same is true of laws, government. As one parishioner here keeps saying, man attempts to create laws so good that he doesn't have to be. The same goes for constitutions and forms of government. No constitution will protect us, but only the level of Christian education and the strength of the Christian character of others. The constitution itself only provides for the possibility of freedom. The reality and the practical application can only be achieved by the means of Christian maturity and the alertness of individuals. Reason is a good gift of God, but it also has its limitations. And that leads us to our final point, the subjection of reason to God's word. How do you know reason's limits? Well, you look to God's word. Look to our second reading. The Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar was a man of many great abilities. God gave him so many gifts for the creation and furtherance of daily bread. He was long-lived, reigning 43 years. His military campaigns were glorious. His building projects in Babylon, especially the hanging gardens, were wonders. I personally have seen the Gate of Ishtar when I was in Berlin. It is so very impressive. In short, Nebuchadnezzar is a paragon for how far reason can get you and how greatly of an abundance of daily bread can be created by it. But Nebuchadnezzar used his reason wrongly. He foolishly rejoiced in his own abilities. And so God, through a dream, terrified the king. And in his frightened ignorance, the king consulted the prophet Daniel. And this is what we learn. God would rob Nebuchadnezzar of his reason. He would be like a beast of the field, the closest thing to a literal werewolf the world has ever seen. He was so unsound in his mind that he munched on grass like a cow. If you want to see how much reason is involved in daily bread, look at the miserable, insane, and bestial form of Nebuchadnezzar. This was a terrible judgment against a proud and haughty king who exchanged the bread of life for perishable daily bread. God took Nebuchadnezzar's reason. He had no good friends, no counselors. He had no gov good government, least of all of himself. He had the necessities of life, but that was all. Who wants to live like an animal? 
So let us take a warning from this lesson. For those who despise the Lord, for those who do not break off their sins by faith in Christ, for those who are merciless to the poor, God will judge them suddenly. And he has already judged them. When men are so insane that they can no longer tell the difference between men and women, how is that any better than the bestiality of Nebuchadnezzar? When men argue for children to have the choice to mutilate themselves, how is that not worse than the grass-eating of Nebuchadnezzar? How can men and women engage in acts of depravity which cannot bear children? How is that not more degenerate than Nebuchadnezzar's isolation among the beasts? Our civilization has been robbed of reason by God. What should we have expected? Our society has refused to break off our sins by the righteousness given by faith. Our society has shown no mercy to the poor. We have been empire builders like Nebuchadnezzar. We have been twice as haughty as he, as he was. The insanity we see today is God's judgment. We, like Nebuchadnezzar, have become beasts. But God took away Nebuchadnezzar's reason so that he might learn that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. God punishes so that he might restore. He restored Nebuchadnezzar, as we learned. At the same time, my reason returned to me for the glory of my kingdom and my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. God takes away reason so that he might teach us something higher than reason. God takes away daily bread so that we might learn that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of God. Reason is good when it subjects and it manages daily bread. But reason must be subjected and managed by God's word. And when it is, reason recognizes all the ways in which God has so graciously provided for our needs of the body. And he has done all of these things without any merit or worthiness in us, but solely for the sake of Jesus Christ. Give us this day our daily bread. And so let us thank God for the divine gift of reason that we may manage our daily bread well. Let us ask the Holy Spirit to keep reason in its proper place. That is, that reason is, remains always subject and obedient to the word of God. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.